You are listening to The Three Intuitive Healers with Heather Nicholson, Angela Johnson, and Stephanie Gonzalez. Produced by The Three Intuitive Healers Show. Visit the3intuitivehealers.com for articles and podcast shows discussing our personal insights and sharing our experiences with you. It is our belief that every human is an intuitive and every human has the capacity to heal. We'll take you along with us on a journey of self-growth and healing so you too can open your mind, heart, and life to the healing magic within. Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to the Three Intuitive Healers Podcast Show. I'm your host, Heather Nicholson. I'm Angela Johnson. And I'm Stephanie Gonzalez. Today, we'd like to introduce a guest to the show, Alice Holguin. Alice is a friend of the show, and she is certified in Yusui Holy Fire 2 Karuna Reiki Master. She's also Angel Reiki attuned. She's also a certified end-of-life death doula. And she also volunteers for Huntington Hospital, providing patients and nurses both with Reiki during their stay. She sees herself as a spiritual guide who provides tools along with intuitive guidance and wisdom to facilitate healing from within. Welcome, Alice. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yay, Alice. Hi. It's great to have you here. Thank you. So, Alice. What you know, we've discussed Reiki on the on the show, obviously, these many years. But what we've never discussed is a death doula, and you are certified as a death doula. And we'd love if you could explain exactly what a death doula is. Would love to. Um, a death doula, which we sometimes would like to call it an end of life doula, um, is a non medical professional who is trained to care for the terminally ill persons, their physical, their emotional, and their spiritual needs during their death process. Um, doulas create a safe space for them to do their emotional or their soul work that is needed for them to prepare for their transition. So it's very different than a hospice nurse. This is- Right, right. There is, there's a misconception out there that hospice is the same as the death doula or end of life doula. Um, hospice um, is responsible for taking care of all the medical aspects of the dying. You know, they administer the meds, they do pain management, they check their vitals, they change their bandages, anything that has to do with their medical care, that's what hospice is there for. Um, the doulas, the death doulas are only there to provide the non-medical compassion care. The hospice, you know, they're there for the, the medical end. And at that point, you know, they're, they're not going to, they don't have the time and that's not what their job description is to sit there and and provide compassion care, to sit with the patient, to read to them, to listen to them, uh, to provide a sacred space, they're not there for that. And that's why it's important to have a death doula um, there because we're the ones who will provide the compassion care. We're there to listen to the fears or the regrets that the dying person is holding onto. We mm -hmm. can hold their hands, we can read to them, a lot of times they just want us to be present while they sleep. Mm. So, you know, I can only imagine the fear that they are facing and just having someone there to comfort them just at their side is all they need. Um, there are times we may encourage the dying person to reflect on their life. You know, are there relationships that they want to repair? Is there something that they need to say or do before they're gone? Sometimes do they want to see someone again before they die? You know, this is their journey. We are there just to 
we are there for their support. Whatever they need from us to help with this transition so they can have a, a peaceful transition, that's what we're there for. And it's not just for the dying person. We're also there to lend support to the family members that are there as well. This is difficult for them to even think about dying or to talk about dying, um, to even come to terms with it. So it, many times when the diagnosis of terminal illness comes up and the impending death is near or within the next several months or so, there's a detachment that can happen from family members knowing that the reality is coming and they detach from the dying person because they don't want to face that. And that is the last thing that that person needs. It's people to just go away and mm -hmm. treat or talk or act as if they're gone already. You know, they are alive. And as doulas, we respect and we know this is very sacred to us and to them that we see them and treat them that they are alive until their last breath. So there's so many things that we can do to honor their life until their last breath. So they are alive. Even though they may not be cognizant, they may not be alert, they may be asleep, they are alive. And we have to remember that. One of, and this is also good to remember, is that even though they may be unresponsive, one of their last senses is the sense of touch and the sense of um, the sense of hearing. So mm -hmm. that's why touching them, holding their hands, rubbing them with essential oils, playing soft music, playing whatever music that from their their era, their genre, you know, is is really important because they will continue to feel you touching them. They will feel your presence, and they will hear the words even though they're not responding. So just mm -hmm. know that. And that's why reading to them is important. Um, you know, playing music, uh, all that is important to them. It, it really is. And, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to, also another thing I want to mention, this is from my own personal experience. You don't want to die, have them die with your regrets. I should have said something. I sh you know, because your ego was too much in the way, you know, oh my God, I don't want to come, you know, I don't want to apologize. I don't want to, you know, it's going to be too uncomfortable for me to talk to them and say, I'm sorry. But it's like, you have this small window to be able to say what you wanted to say your whole life and to kind of make amends for whatever happened in the past. So even though they can't, they're not, they're not awake, they can't hear you. That is the time that you want to say you're sorry. It's never too late or that you love them. They will hear you and that will give them comfort. And perhaps that's the comfort that they need to, to transition to the other side. So it is never too late. They are alive to their last breath. So use that time wisely, spend time with them, talk to them, say, say your goodbyes, say I love you, say your sorries. You will not regret that because the regret will come after the fact and you would have been the should have, could have. Mm. So that's, you know, I got more to share, but that's for, for now what I wanted to get out there for you guys. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah, I I misunderstood. I thought it was more hospice care. Um, it's just, that's so beautiful. It sounds like, 
I'm assuming this is non-denominational. And, right. and, and what it reminds me of is when, you know, we used to go around the hospital together, you would see the chaplain or you'd see the rabbi and they would kind of be administering to this sort of spiritual, emotional side that doesn't get touched on because you're right, the nurses and doctors are so busy and they're there for the physical care. Um, so it's so neat. I, I, uh, it, it was just beautiful what you were saying in terms of helping people to process not just the person who's dying, but everybody around them. You know, in the Buddhist tradition, they, they make a big deal about not being sad around. I'm probably butchering this, but my understanding of what they said, you know, you, you don't cry over and, and the dead person as they're dying because those last few moments, you want them to be happy and for the, that soul to know you can move on. You can go to your next place. We'll be fine here. We will miss you. We will be fine. And it sounds like what you do touches on that as well, sort of coaching the family. And and I don't know. I just, that was really cool, Alice. That was freaking cool. Yes. Again, this, this is a topic as far as everyone can talk about birth. It's a happy moment. I mean, it's joyful. Everyone can talk about, about the birth process, but everyone is, it's really difficult to talk about death. Yeah. And, it, you know, we need to get comfortable about talking about the death process, the, the before they die, there, there's a, a process that happens prior to dying. Um, and then what goes on afterwards. So it's like, we have to get comfortable talking about it because it will happen to all of us. So, you know, the more we talk about it, I think the, the more of the stigma is removed from it. You know, it's not, it's not to be feared. You know, it's a natural process of life. Um, that again, just talking about it and, you know, it, it just takes away that the unknown and the fear of it, you know, um, and I, and a lot more people, and it is a lot of our wishes. We, we all, when you ask anyone, how would you like your last, your last life, part of your life to be? No one says, I want to die in a hospital. Right. They all say, I want to die at home surrounded by my loved ones. But probably like 90 or 85% of people who we all have that wish, a small percentage of people die at home. Yeah. Because family members or because circumstances of the medical issues and all that. But sometimes you're given a choice. Would you like them to come home to your home so they can pass? That's uncomfortable. A lot of people can't face that. And it's like, no, let's move them to another facility where, you know, they can handle that because no one wants to deal with the dying process. It is, it's scary to a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, but most people want to die at home. That's where they're, they, that's where they, they live. That's where they have their memories. And that is what they call their, you know, I want to have a peaceful death. Mm -hmm. So if we can, you know, eventually move more towards that, that would be ideal because I know that's where I want to die at home. I don't want to die in no clinical hospice location. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's everyone's dying wish. So I have, I have an older mother who's getting mm -hmm. older and, and, you know, frailer as she gets older. What conversations should I have with my mother about the dying process? And what, what do you recommend on asking as a person that's looking, you know, as, as an end of life for my mom as well? Just, you know, just so that you know, um, from my experience as well, is the, they know they're dying. Yeah. 
okay, even before they get a medical diagnosis that, you know, well, your, your loved one is dying, spiritually, they know their time is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. They're worried probably more so of their loved ones, of others, how they're going to handle it, how they're going to be with my absence more than what is it that I want. Mm -hmm. So having the conversation, um, you know, it, you know, it's uncomfortable to bring it up, but it has to be, be brought up. So the conversation of, you know, we all, how I brought it up is like, you know what, we're all going to die one day, you know, someone, you or I may die sooner than the other, you know, what is it, you know, I want to know what is it that you, that you wish for yourself, that you want me to know, how, you know, how do you want, as far as the, um, you know, do they want to be cremated? Do they want to be buried? All, all this stuff needs to be cleared up. Right. But even prior to that, you know, you really should get your, your stuff put together, you know, for the dying person, whether they do it themselves or you do it, because ultimately, you know, the will, you know, the advanced directive, um, funeral arrangements, all that, ideally, if that could be handled in advance, would make it so much easier for the person who is going to be stuck doing that afterwards. You're going to end up doing it regardless if you do it in advance or if you do it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Me, I rather do it in advance before I'm in a grieving state of mind where I'm going to be like an emotional wreck. And now I've got to figure out all these things that I've got to do. So, you know, find out about what their, their wishes are. They've got a will. Um, their advanced directive, do they want to be kept on life support? Do they want a feeding tube? Um, all that needs to be, you want their wishes. So that way you're not guessing like, oh my God, I wonder what mom would have wanted. I don't know. Yeah. All this is already out and you know that already. And then you, you I feel you get become more in, in a peace, in a place of peace. Because mm -hmm. all the unknown is now known. My mother worked a lot with caretakers who were working, you know, who had people they were taking care of um and from that she really like she and my dad I have the envelope that when the time comes I know you know do not resuscitate I know where how they want to be buried I know like all of it's been laid out so that just because she saw the turmoil that families were in mm -hmm. trying to figure it out siblings not agreeing with what should happen and um she just nip that in the bud. So we, we, we have that game plan for both my parents. And, and I remember one of my aunts who married into the family, her mother, Leona, when she passed away, it was practically like a notebook, like, and here's what the funeral is going to look like. And it was just like, okay, go. And okay, Beth's going to be saying this passage from the Bible and so-and-so is going to sing. And it was so like, my aunt just could grieve because she wasn't having to plan everything. It was really, it, tremendous gift to think ahead like that some some people some of the dying people of the persons who are dying they will go to that extent i want to know what kind of party i'm going to have i want this kind of food served you know yeah. they want the whole thing what what passage is going to be read and then you've got others that have difficulty even coming to terms with it and they may not want to talk about it and yeah. you've got to keep trying you know they may not be willing at that moment but maybe you know a Sometime may pass and then maybe open to talk about it. Yeah. You know, imagine asking your loved one, what do you want to do before you pass away? What is the things that you want to do? Yeah. 
Yeah. Because we hardly ask. Yeah. And also don't you think reassuring them that you're going to be okay? Because okay. yeah. I know when my husband's mother passed when uh, he was 19 and, you know, he was 19, he was not settled. He was, he, you know, it was wild and crazy youth. And, and he remembers her just saying, are you going to be okay? Are you going to be okay? And he had to just tell her mom, I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. So I think those assurances that the living, the healthy can give to those who are getting ready to pass. But, you know, you did a good job. We're going to be okay. We're going to be sad and we're going to be okay. I think that's probably important. Coming from being um, empathic and being an energy healer, it's a habit of mine since I was a kid to always put myself in the other person's place. I'm always doing that. So, you know, they do, they do worry more about the people they're leaving behind when they get to that point it's like they want to go home there's a need to want to go home that is pulling them and it's not a scary need to go home but they're more worried about what about those that i leave behind so yes it's very helpful to you know although you can say we will miss you and you 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 have meant so much and done so much in my life to give them that permission to go yeah. and that we're going to be okay is what they need to hear. And many times it's like, once you say that, you can see their demeanor or with the next couple of days or weeks, now they're ready to transition and they go inside and then they no longer speak because they needed to hear that. And again, that's never too late. Even when they're unresponsive, you can say, you know what, I love you. You know, we're gonna miss you, but we're gonna be okay and you can go when you're ready. They need that reassurance that we, the living, are going to be fine. Yeah. Alice, the course that you took, you had an intention and a reason that you were taking the course, right, for the death doula. And my question to you on that is, it sounds like something every family would benefit from having someone who had been trained or um, informed about the process, the death dying process. So my question to you is, what does it take um, from any of us who are interested in, in not to have a career as a death doula, but to be able to offer our own family when that time comes, you know, that management, if you will, of emotions and to kind of lead the family in the grieving process and in the supporting process. Is it an eight week course at a 12 week course? Um, did you find yourself, is there sadness during that time from what you're learning? Was there fear? What can you share with us? Yeah. Um, you know what, as I was going through my own personal experience, what brought me to looking into becoming a doula or learning more about it is my own personal experience. Um, my, my spouse became ill or had been ill, health was declining. And this was all during COVID. So um, as I'm caring as his caregiver and I can see the progression, again, I didn't get the diagnosis that, you know, your husband is dying because nobody wanted to go into the hospital. Nobody wanted to go to, because of all the COVID. So I relied a lot on my intuition and I knew he was going to be passing. I didn't know when or any of that, but I knew that he was shutting down and he was, he was going to be passing relatively soon. So the thought of, you know, what else can, you know, what else can I bring to the table? But what actually took me to the doula is I was sharing with a a friend of mine, all the trials and tribulations and the things that I have gone through 
and what I have done to mitigate some of these issues, she said, you know, you're doing death doula work. And I'm going like, what's that? She goes, you are a death doula. What you're doing with him and the questions you're asking and the process that you're doing, you are a death doula. And I'm going like, wow, I didn't know I was doing that. I didn't know there was a word for it. So that piqued my interest. So when I got home, I looked it up and researched and it's like, oh my God, I am doing death doula work. So I'm always listening for cues from spirit as, is this where I need to learn the, my next, my next place to go? So um, I did research, I did look into it. Um, and it was an eight week course. But at that point, I was like in the throes of the depth of someone dying and like, oh my God, to throw an eight week class that has, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 12 hours a week of, of homework. It's like, I couldn't do that. I probably mentally, emotionally, I could not handle one more thing on my plate. So I, I didn't do that. But that always stuck around in my mind about learning more about a death doula. So he did pass in January of 2021. And because of COVID, he wasn't buried until March. And believe it or not, April is when I started the class. It's like, I know that. And the thing I always, when, when I learn something new, like the Reiki, um, all, all these things that I learn, I learn, I go in with the intention of helping others. But gosh darn it, it always ends up being what I need to heal me or to help me. It's always for me. So going through this death doula eight week class, I thought was to help me be a death doula or help somebody else. But it helped me with my grieving process because now I understood, you know, I wasn't what I was feeling, what I was going through, what they felt, what they went through was normal. So that's, that was my takeaway from the doula classes. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, it helped with my healing. So in a nutshell, Alice, it's one doesn't again, need to, to take the course in order to have a career after no. there's so much value in learning just about the death process, right? And how we as family or caretakers can be more beneficial to a person that's dying. So all that information is just going to be so um, helpful and healing, I imagine. You know, it's, it's because, um, right, because you're not going to get that from, you may not get that from your hospice team. Okay, they're there to provide medical, they may answer a few questions, they might tell you what you can expect, but they're not going to go into depth. And this doula class, it went into depth, what most, probably all dying people go through. Mm -hmm. They go through, um, you know, the delusional, you know, they're seeing things, they may be agitated, you know, they're talking to people that are not there, they're talking about stories, um, how their body shut, starts to shut down, all these things that if you're paying attention and you know these are the, the signs you, you can, you know, when it's, when it's near, when it's getting close, but, um, but if you know what to expect going in with the dying process, that gets rid of some of that fear because you know, oh, this is all part of it. Oh, I read about that. Oh, I, I learned about that. So it, it helps you tremendously. And even the death doula class, they even talk about how to um, support family members because you're going to have some that are going to be in denial. 
some that don't want to come visit, some that, you know, don't want to give you any help. So you're going to learn about they're all handling grief in their own way or the impending death, their own way. It's not right or wrong, but us as the primary caregiver might get frustrated or angry. Like, why isn't Jamie over here talking to dad, you know, spending time with him? And it's like, we, we need to like not come from that place because that energy is not going to be good for the person who is, who is trying to come to terms with, with their passing. So it helps you how to deal with family members as well. So it's very beneficial. You know, if you do nothing with it, but to help your family member as they, as they transition. What if you have a, what if, what if the person who is, um, in the process of passing is not okay with their passing and they're angry. What do you, do you have any suggestions with that? A lot of times it's, uh, it's, it's listening. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just holding space. Okay. You know, a lot of times, you know, and, and we've all been there where, you know, I can't speak, I can speak to my family and I can tell them just about everything, but there are certain things that I cannot tell them. Right. But I will tell a friend or I will tell a therapist more deep, deep issues that are bothering me because they're not going to be, you know, they're not judgmental. They're, mm-hmm. they're coming from a place of, of being neutral. That's what a doula is. I'm not related to them, you know, so they might feel more comfort speaking about their regrets or what they've done or their shame, whatever they're processing and speak more freely to a doula who will never give advice or be judging at all. They're just there to listen. And by them speaking of it will help, will help them with the transition. Um, sometimes if someone is having a hard time with, with that, as you mentioned, the dying, you know, maybe asking what is it about this that it's, it's probably comes from a, a place of fear. Yeah. It probably, if you ask that, if you truly, truly ask them and just listen and not try to have an answer before they even say the question, just truly, truly be present and listen. They will tell you what, where that anger or where that resistance is coming from. It could be fear. It could be, I don't want to leave my loved ones behind. Um, majority of the time that people are not afraid of the, of, of death and where I go most people are afraid of suffering. Mm. That's the biggest thing. Am I going to suffer? Am I going to feel pain? I mean, we watch a lot of movies. Am I going to be gasping for air at the last minute? Am I going to feel like I'm suffocating? All these visions that we've had in our head from all these movies that we've seen, we think that's the dying process. So they may have that illusion in their head about I'm going to suffer. You know, I don't want to be in pain. That's what we got to kind of like by asking questions, mm-hmm. perhaps they'll reveal that to you. Mm-hmm. But that's the furthest from the truth. Most, most often it's peaceful and quiet. When do people bring you into the process? Like when do, are you called in, in from the hospital? Does somebody, or how, how do? If, if someone has, has, heard or read or wanted some a doula to be present. I mean, it, it comes in different forms. You can have, you know, you can have a doula come in, like say I've got a diagnosis, the person I got a diagnosis of terminal cancer and they may have, you know, four months to live, four to five months. 
they may call a doula even that far in advance. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still they're still alert and everything else just to help with the processing. They may want the assistance with, can you help me put this book together about my life, about what, you know, different experiences that I've had, um, you know, how I want, you know, just like talking about death and how they want their passing to be, that perhaps they can't have that conversation with the loved ones. So putting things together for them, you know, um, just helping them process it as well. So they may call us early, you know, months in advance. They may call us as soon as they decide, you know, or it's the decisions made that they now need to go into hospice. That's when we might get called in. So it depends on what the need is. There's, again, there's no right or wrong. It's just the need of the person or the need of the family. But the Mm -hmm. family may need support as well. Like, you know, I can't handle this. You know, I need someone to be there. Like, you know, just having someone there is, is supportive for both the dying and the living. That's Got good it. Yeah. And death doulas there are welcome anywhere, uh, hospitals, convalescent hospitals, um, because it's a non-religious or does, do you have it, to get permission from these places or? Um, they're, they're welcomed. Um, you know, they're, they're non-denominational. You know, there's no religion to it. Um, you know, it's almost like having a really good best friend who's going to be there through thick and thin with you. And it's just going to be there. And, you know, we're compassionate. We have no judgment. Uh, we're just going to be like the best listeners that you've got. Um, you know, and we can be sometimes depends on what's going on with them and the family members. We can be, I won't say the mediator, but we can help those that are struggling, you know, with, with the dying process, with, I mean, with, with the, family, the family members. And we can help them like, okay, this is what your dad's going through. Or this is what your mom's going through and kind of explaining in a way where, where they understand because they're coming from a place of fear as right. well. And to try to quell the, the fear energy is important because you, er, everything is energy. So the dying person is feeling it. Even though they're in the next room, they are feeling it. So that's, you know, that's your role is to like have a, a peaceful environment and a peaceful place for them. This is all about them, not about the kids, anyone else. Right. It's about them. So what can the dying teach us, Alice, from what you've learned on their end? You know, um, what, what have you learned? Well, they, they're always teaching us. Even through their last breath, they are teaching us. They're teaching us to be present. They're teaching us to be mindful. They're teaching us that life is short life is to be life is to be lived you know and it's and it's good to have the balance because again you don't want to have regrets no one no one on their deathbed is saying this is this is the title that i that i reached at my work you know i was a ceo no one talks about that so it doesn't really matter of who what you did it's like it's the impact that you left on others you know, that I leave, you know, my family, you know, they're going to have good stories to talk to, to about, about me, you know, am I a kind person? Was I a generous person? So it just kind of makes you, it helps it, it, you end up reviewing your own life when you see someone else taking their last, their last breath. It's like, am I living my true authentic life? Am I doing what I really want to do? 
or am I doing what someone else wants me to do? So it makes you question everything about yourself because you have, when someone dies, you have a chance to do a do-over. And that's what death brings. It's like, it brings life. That's the opposite. Opposite of death is life. So it brings attention to your life. Am I living it the way I want to live it? Am I making every day matter? Am I doing what I want to do? Am I impacting people in a positive way? Am I, am I, you know, being, you know, being the best friend, being the best spouse? It's just, am I being the best person that I can be? So it helps you look at your own life and make the changes if you're willing to take that risk to be a better person. This brings up a lot. Yeah. Like it just, it just hit me, Alice, that like my mom loves buying people stuff and she can't stop. It's, it's very compulsive and it just hit me. My mom wants to see, be seen as a good person as she, as her life ends. And I'm just like, wow. Okay. There it is. Yes. And she, and she wants to leave a bit of her behind. Right. That's that legacy. We all want to leave a legacy behind because I don't want to be forgotten. Right. You know, 20 years from now, I'm probably going to be forgotten. So at that point, it's like, oh my God, I showed them more more of my life where I can leave something behind where they're going to remember me by. So by her doing those gifts, people are going to remember her. And it's not just giving gifts, but people are going to have them and they'll remember her with it. So she's trying to leave bits and pieces of her behind. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs behind. Yeah. Her essence is left behind. Hmm. Alice, how have you changed since, since doing all this? Oh, you know, what? I, uh, it, it sounds very cliche, but I don't take life for granted. Mm. Okay. I really don't. Um, I try to look at even the obstacles that you go through the ups and downs. You know, I see everything and I try to look at everything as what am I to learn from this? So, you know, I just, I just try to see things you know, as impermanent, nothing is permanent. So I, you know, I can be gone tomorrow so that I make a lasting effect or that I touch someone's life today. Mm-hmm. You know, even at the grocery store, you know, small talk, smile, you know, I don't know what that person is going through, but I know that I impacted people in my everyday work or interactions that I do. So that changed me a lot because it's nothing is permanent. Yeah. And, and also what it's, another thing that it taught me is, and I realized this after the fact, is going through this, everyone is watching, everyone is watching you. As me being the caregiver, me dealing with, you know, with his dying process and everything, everyone else is kind of like afraid. Family members are like, oh, I don't know what to do. They're looking at that one person who is stepping up to the plate and doing what needs to be done. Everyone is watching that person and every house has one, it seems like that one person is going to be in charge and step up. You have the courage. Other people are going to be watching you. So I, I did everything very mindful because I knew that even my adult sons were watching me. How did I deal with someone who's dying, someone who's suffering, someone who doesn't have control of you know, anything that they do anymore. Was I, was I coming from a place of compassion? Was I coming from a place of frustration? Was I like, you know, cussing, I can't do this anymore. Was I, was I, did I have a lot of anger towards this person? There are all these eyes were at me. So that kept me in check. That kept me in check. 
yes, I got frustrated. Yes, I was cussing. Yes, all these things because I'm human, but I made sure I did it in the privacy of my own room and not in the presence of the person who's dying or those that are around me. So I felt like I was teaching those around me that this is how you honor the death process. So in hopes that when my day comes, they will know how to act, behave, and what to do when someone is dying. It's, yes. it's, it's a sacred time that, you know, you're fortunate if you get to be a witness to it. It's beautiful. Do you have more open conversations about death now, Alice, you know, with your sons or your sisters, family members? Yes. Yes. Are they, are they open to it as well? Just slowly easing and expanding? With slowly it? easing. At yeah. first they weren't because it, it was for them. It was like, oh my God, this can happen to me. And they were kind of like th that fear in their, on their, on their end. So, um, but again, knowing intuitively, like when is the right time to bring it up and talk about it. Um, I have, with most of my family have brought this up. I helped them get their papers in order, their affairs. And the only one to talk about is like, oh no, she knows what I want. I said, no, you don't know that. You know, she may have, they may have mentioned it 10 years ago what they wanted, yeah. but things change. So bringing, again, I come from a family, I come from a family of five people. So there's a lot of sisters. So bringing them in one by one and let's talk about it when I felt mm -hmm. the time was right is it's what I've been doing. So they all have their paperwork done. They've all got their wishes. Um, you know, I brought in their, 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 their kids or their adult kids with them so they can hear what our mom's wishes or dad's wishes. So I even asked the, you know, the, um, the daughter or the son is like, what questions do you want to ask of your mom now while she's alive that you may not get a chance to ask? Mm -hmm. So these conversations took place and it was, you know, it even like went off to a different tangent, but it was some healing that was going on. And when there was no more conversations to be had was when I knew that I was done. So it's like as uncomfortable as it is for that moment or whatever, however long that takes, we have to talk about death and dying. But once you're done with that and you've got things in place and you're comfortable with it, put it to the side. Now live. Now continue living. Because what a great gift. Yes. What a tremendous gift you gave to your family. Yes. That's amazing. Because I don't want to see anyone suffer by not being prepared. Because yeah. fear will cripple them. Wow. That is so true. And like you said, I, I just love your, your closing statements, Alice, that said, once it's all done, get busy living. You know, you yeah, face yeah. the fear, you put things in order. Yes. Um, you're going to be ready for it as best you can. One's really never ready, right? When right. we hit it, but we're not, like you say, we're not going to be um, forced to have to deal with all the minutia and that things that maybe get people to fight and argue and pull away in different directions. This becomes a time where the family can be in unison and and be um, supportive of each other and this grieve together. So I, I think that's just beautiful. I mean, it's, it makes me really wish that every family, you know, like some kind of not requirement, but it was more spoken about so that families could prepare, you know, in just the discussion alone, you know, um, because that's huge. 
Yeah. That is, that's just beautiful information, Alice. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. It was lovely. How much, how much do death doulas run? Do you know, Alice? You know, it, it, it varies because again, some people want a death doula to be there a couple times a week. Some may want them there every day. It depends on what part of the dying process they're at. If they're in the middle of just doing their legacy and I want to. The death doula's dog has something to say. Yeah. They get paid hourly. They can get paid hourly. Um, It can range between, you know, $50 an hour to over a hundred dollars an hour. It all depends on what the, what the need is for. If it's just to, to be present, you know, that might be different. Some of them may want you to spend overnight. Some of them may want you to start doing this legacy, legacy, um, you know, video of, of their work and what they've done and stories and all that. So it all depends on how much assistance and support they need or how elaborate they want to get. At this point, does insurance uh, cover any of that for, for um, people who are terminal? No, insurance, um, you know, because insurance covers medical mm-hmm. and yeah, this is not, not nothing emotional. to do with medical. So this is, um, like you would say, an elective surgery. Uh, th- this is nothing that's covered by the insurance. I think it should be. Yeah. 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 In the future. This, is, this should Absolutely. be part of the, the whole, you know, palliative care, the whole hospice yes. care. Yeah. Because exactly. you're dealing with the mind, body, and this is the spirit component. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, the hospice is handling, you know, the body and maybe the mind, but no one's handling the spirit aspect of it. Right. So that's where the doula comes in. So that's wonderful. Thank you again, Alice. Thank you, Alice. Wealth of information today. Yeah. Thank you. This was, this was a great topic, you know, especially, especially when we're going into the autumn winter seasons where everything is coming to a close. This is a great, a great topic for, you know, to bring up something that, you know, going towards your inner self, you know, just a perspective. So thank you so much, Alice. And that's all the time that we have today. We like to thank the listeners for tuning in to the three intuitive healers podcast show. We hope you're able to find the healing magic within. Thank you for listening to us on the three intuitive healers podcast show. Remember when we open ourselves to healing, we positively affect our environment. This podcast represents the opinion of the three intuitive healers and their guests to the show. The content should not be taken as medical or psychological advice and is for informational and entertainment purposes only. Each person is unique, so please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we share is accurate, no guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made in this podcast. 